0: I'm Samilla from menswear by a woman podcast and today's guest I am absolutely honoured that I've actually got him to come and do an interview with me he is one of the most well his brand is one of the most amazing brands out there in menswear um, actually also in womenswear I've got hands from Black Horse Lane Atelier who is here with me and I'm actually in their um, factory in the studio and I can't believe it because all of this, all the smells and everything reminds me of the days where I was doing all the manufacturing, producing and, you know, designing, so the smell is good.
1: <laughs> yeah. And uh, you know, very often I call this place kitchen. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I can imagine because <laughs> where this where is we're where, we're where it begins. everything here. Thank you and so
0: much for coming on board, Hans.
1: You're welcome. And thank you for doing this interview with me.
0: That's all right. How did it all begin with you?
1: Well, it all began when, when I came to this country in 1987. Right. Long time ago now. Uh, my uncle had a factory in Dawson, in East okay. London. Yep. And at the time I wanted to learn English. Um, I was working with him part time, on and off. Right. Uh, I started as a presser. Okay. Then gradually learned quality controlling. Okay. And uh, I think in that journey, I was going to university, trying to go to university, but those days life was really difficult and I had to work full time in order to support my my lifestyle. Mm -hmm. And in, I think in 95, after seven years, he said to me, By that time, he opened a a second factory. He said to me, "You know, you know how to do quality controlling. Why don't you take over this factory, second factory, from me? Because at the time, it was he wasn't doing well with that factory. Right. He had two factories. One was doing well, the other wasn't doing well, and he wanted to offload the second factory to me. Okay. Cheeky. (laughs) (laughs) I said. I said, of course, uncle, but I don't have money to, to pay you. Right. I said, don't worry, you pay me in, in, in installments. Okay. I'm not asking a lot of money anyway. So I find myself all of a sudden at the age of 26, right. uh, employing 140 people. Wow. Okay. And wow. working with most amazing people people on the on the manufacturing side because these days we don't see those people but in in late eighties, nineties we had lots of Eastern European Jewish people working right. in the in yeah. the in the trade and they had huge experience. Okay, yeah. Huge. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean they were amazing. I learned so much from them. Yeah. So within the first six months of owning this um, thriving and, and busy factory, yeah. struggling with the quality, struggling with people, struggling with the uh, uh, running of that factory, one day one of these guy, guys came in and said, look, either you do this properly or don't do it, right, yeah. because I think our quality wasn't that good yeah. at the time. And I said, What do you reckon I should do? He said, Go to school and learn. So, what I did with that, immediately, I think that week, I went into Central St. Martin. um, I asked them what courses. Those days we didn't have internet. No. Okay. (laughs) Uh, They were on St. Martin's Lane. lane. Yeah. Okay. And they had a one year course on pattern cutting, and sewing techniques. Right. So while I had my factory, I was going there and and learning how to do putting, cutting, and sewing yeah. techniques. Yeah. I was incredibly lucky because I had a working factory. My other colleagues, or or you know, they were just students. They were not uh, learning as fast as I. I yeah. was learning because yeah. I was able to bring all the problems of the factory to the college. Right, okay, yeah. yeah and yeah, yeah. asking uh, the, the, uh, the tutors, the
0: tutors how
1: to do this. <laughs> how to how to do that, yeah. <laughs> My learning curve was really fast and I think within that year yeah. we started producing one of the best garments on the on the market. Oh wow. So from not knowing much and in within one year
0: knowing a lot. M-
1: knowing absolute necessary things more, right. more than a lot because I still don't know many things in you know, after 30 years right <laughs> okay. you know that's an interesting thing because uh, when you work with uh, fashion when you work with fabric each mm-hmm. fabric has its own Wait. its own weights its own yeah. uh, um, I don't know how to describe that. integrity yeah. in the fabric is very different yeah public to public um, so every day we are learning something new here okay okay I wouldn't say that I know a lot right. and, but what I know is I don't know a lot <laughs> <laughs> okay. okay
0: okay well why did you want it to do uh, Denik?
1: okay uh, I think we need to go back to my my, my, right, my story yeah, yeah okay so uh, 90s, mid 90s, I had my factory and right. 140 people were uh, people were working for me. In year 2000, yeah. uh, lots of high streets started to demand cheaper, cheaper uh, garments from us. Yeah. And with that, what I did, I went and opened a factory in Turkey. Right. Culturally, that's where I'm from. Yeah. And. By that time, we had 400 people working in the factory wow. Okay, in Turkey and we were making about 30,000 garments a week. Okay. okay? Yeah, yeah. So uh, within 5-6 six, six years of that, again in High Street, my customers were saying China is cheaper. Mm-hmm. Would you go to China? I said, why not? I was ambitious. I was young. I went to China. Hong Kong, we opened a a sourcing office in Hong Kong. Right, okay. And I had factories making garments for me in Shanghai, in Guangzhou. I was traveling backward-forward. Okay. Uh, But something else was happening with me. Further, I went away. Uh, Further, I went away from my own values as well. And further, I went away from my relationship with my family as well because distance wasn't helping, you know, that lifestyle wasn't helping me. And one of those visits in in China, a a Chinese man was making a green tea for me. He would would, usually, they have little... stores and he was making tea for me right. and i looked at him and i was uh, feeling sorry for him because he was away from his children okay. in china usually they travel from small, small villages into yeah, big factories yeah. dormitories yeah. and when i was feeling sorry for him there was a pop moment
0: okay.
1: i said but i am not any different than him he is away from his children yeah, his family, family i am away from my you know we yeah. Just for what? Uh, at that point, I decided to come out of fashion because I was disgusted with the fashion because yeah. the fashion represented shortcuts. And also, it's interesting because today's um, big news at this moment is the inflation. And But actually, if you look at last 30 years, the fashion items got cheaper and cheaper and yeah, cheaper and cheaper, and cheaper and cheaper and buying a lovely coat was an investment 30 or 40 years ago yeah. you had to think carefully you had to look at it you had to look at the fabric and you had to make sure that it lasted at least 10 years yeah but last 30 years we lost that yeah. because Definitely. everything got so s- available so cheap yeah 100% and and the our We we are never emotionally invested into the garments that we we buy into. Uh, So I was part of that that, uh, problem really and I wanted to come out of that. uh, Cutting corners, using cheap fabrics, Mm -hmm. using cheap labor. Uh, The values wasn't there anymore for me. So I came back. One day from my journey, I said to my uh, family, my daughters at the time, one was nine, one was twelve. Hey guys, I sold everything. I am out of it. We're gonna have one year off from the school as well. We're gonna wow. just travel. Oh wow! We're gonna travel in Europe. We're gonna jump into our cars and, and 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 yeah. And we we did speak to their school, and they said, okay, as long as you put education in the travel, okay. and we are okay with that as long as they don't lose uh, their education. So we took one year off, mm-hmm. went into, jump into our cars, went to Europe up to the Syrian border of Turkey, okay. came back. It took us eight months to do that journey. When I came back, I said to my family. I'm going to do a business where I don't have to travel and I'm going to walk to it because I don't want to travel yeah. for my work. And what I did then, I opened a local restaurant in my neighbourhood. Yeah. So that's why I think that's, that's why where you said, yeah, I read, it. Said, I read yeah. about yeah. it and
0: I'm thinking, wow, this is amazing yeah. from restaurant to, yeah. you
1: know, to So, uh, I opened my local restaurant in, I think, 2009. Mm -hmm. By that time, I lived in that neighborhood for 22 years. And I did know my neighbors left and right. Yeah. But on a bigger scale, I didn't know much about the neighborhoods. Yeah. Okay. But within one year of opening the restaurant, I started to know people with their first name, their children, their grandchildren because okay. you know, they were coming to eat, they were yeah. celebrating their birthdays, weddings. Yeah. So I was really enjoying uh, uh, for being part of that community right, yeah, where yeah, I, yeah, yeah. I wasn't before. Okay, right. So that was a very happy, fulfilling. Yeah experience yeah. when you know that you know your neighbors yeah. you know when you come out of your Absolutely. door you yeah. I was just looking into people's gaze to say hello <laughs> instead of just putting your head down Dad, and just go. rushing rushing yeah, somewhere
0: yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. Um, it was a very successful um, restaurant yeah. and on the hospitality industry I uh, Last, I would say, last 15 years, uh, I learned so much from it. Um, in the hospitality, your ingredients mm-hmm. are the most important things. You mm-hmm. cannot shortcut with a fish or meat. meat. It has to be one <laughs> of the best cuts. Exactly. Yeah. Um, but also something else was happening in the hospitality industry where. Gradually, we had last twenty years in in, in London and around the country. Yeah. We had a uh, craft beer uh, movement. Yeah. And you know, you had these little microbrewers. Yeah. Changing the industry.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, so I was learning a lot, and also I do humanistic psychotherapy. Okay. So I'm into. Uh, psychotherapy and okay. and in one of those uh, meetings yeah. the subject the theme was how do you define yourself as an artist on your everyday life
0: oh my god
1: so we had eight <laughs> people eight yeah. people yeah. in the in the meeting
0: yeah
1: and everybody was going through their own uh, artistic creativity right. and okay. and i remember one lady was talking about uh, her artistic process was thinking about the recipe for her daughter's birthday, okay. the cake recipe, and buying the ingredients, okay. baking it, dressing it, and that's the process, thinking yeah. with your limbs working and doing something, okay, and cool. you create something. In fact, when you were talking about your, your um, the illustrations on the phone, yeah. on the phone yeah. you know, yeah thinking and then yeah. with your limbs doing something
0: yeah
1: it's, it's a it's an artistic process isn't it
0: yes very much
1: so when the question came to me i couldn't really define myself as an artist as a restaurant owner because my artist in the restaurant was the head chef okay
0: right.
1: i wasn't because he was making decisions he was making decisions for right. the okay. menu, he was making decisions for the right. ingredients yeah, yeah. And I said, look, I need to think about that, because uh, I know that I'm a creative person. Uh-huh. And another turnaround came back to me, and I was thinking, I was going through my uh, memories when I was really happy artistically. I was really happy as a, as a maker,
0: okay.
1: as a garment maker. And at that meeting, I decided to come out of restaurant business and come back right. and, and work with denim. The reason for denim is, denim is not a fashion item. No. It's been around for 150 years. It yeah. has only one color, yeah. which is blue.
0: Yeah.
1: And it's an amazing design. Jeans are one of the most amazing designs. And, and it's one of the most classic designs exactly. where it, they've been around for... 150 years. I
0: don't
1: wear anything else but jeans. Yeah, and, but also when I looked at jeans, they were a bit like the beer, you know, you yeah. had your Carlsberg, you had your uh, Peroni, yeah, yeah. They, but when the craft beer movement came up, came in, right. they started to make much better quality, luggers, IPAs, beers, yeah, yeah. Yeah. and I thought, okay, I can do that with the jeans, because as a tailor, yeah. who trained as a tailor, yeah. I was looking at my jeans, and they were badly made, uh, right, okay. and yeah. at that point I decided to make one of the best jeans in the world,
0: yeah.
1: and, and use one of the best fabrics, yeah. because that's what the hospitality industry taught me. Wow. You know, ing- ingredients are the most important things.
0: It's an amazing journey.
1: Yeah.
0: But an amazing journey in a sense where it's refined.
1: It's yeah.
0: Refined it so much that you know you have to go through these things to actually get to that amazing quality. Yeah. And and I don't care what anybody says, but you know, with with artistically, you have to go through these barriers.
1: Yeah, I mean, your own barriers, your own barriers and
0: your own, um, you know, ability of making it so perfect that you feel Mm. like, have I arrived? Or is it going to be another level? Because that's the way an artist... I think uh, the
1: way I see it is a journey. You never arrive anywhere.
0: No, you don't. Because every time... You arrive
1: when you are dead.
0: Yeah, exactly. I've I've, I've actually achieved it, I think. You've achieved it Yeah, just just an hour before you go, you just think, oh, I think I've done that now. Yes, I think I have arrived. But that is an amazing story.
1: So we uh, we set up this place in a way that... um, we have a pop-up restaurant in this space yeah and the reason the reason we have a pop-up restaurant in this space i wanted to create that connectivity yeah with okay. the local people yeah. i didn't want to create a garment manufacturing place where everything is closed doors yeah, no, no, no. which is traditionally it is yeah. and still if you go to any garment manufacturing is
0: in that position yeah. yeah
1: so by having a pop-up restaurant within the space we Able us to have an open door, okay. so our local people comes in here, eat yeah. and see how the garments are made, right, on a on a weekly basis. So that's really important. That connectivity is important for us, right, and and the, the I mean we look at everything uh, on on a very uh, philosophically very deeper level because mm-hmm. if there is no connectivity, we don't do anything. That's why, for example, we work with local museums. Yeah. Uh, we have an allotment at the back here where we grow Japanese indigo. Yeah,
0: I was reading that. that, was, that is amazing. How you yeah, do that. and
1: again, it's just educational purposes. It's not yeah. commercial use. No. And idea is not many people knows that blue comes from a green plant, for example.
0: Yeah, a lot of people don't know that because yeah. in India, I when I when I go to India, my aunt, them, they actually die,
1: yeah,
0: die their saris in um, plant
1: Plants, yeah, yeah,
0: and also to make the sari stiffer, mm-hmm. you know, when you cook the rice, yeah,
1: you know the rice portion, yeah. the
0: starch, they put that in to yeah. make the um sari stiffer. Yeah. My mum does it here yeah.
1: sometimes. Denim denim are like that. Yeah.
0: You and, know,
1: and they, they have cornstarch, right Then rice starch.
0: Yeah, and the rice starch is actually used for the saris, cotton yeah, yeah,
1: cotton yeah, yeah.
0: saris that makes it when you actually put them on the um, when you hang them, mm-hmm. they are stiff as anything.
1: Yeah. yeah and
0: yeah. my aunties they all do this. Amazing. It's um and it's like because I, when I saw them doing it i thinking, what's that gonna happen? Yeah. And this is someone, you know, and it was amazing to see this because you just think, but this is just rice water, and say, yeah, but look what the rice water actually does. does yeah. You know? yeah, so
1: yeah. Yeah. So I can
0: understand you, when you're coming from that point, can, yeah.
1: But also they are using everything. Yeah. They don't know, they they are not wasting that rice water. They are no, using for yeah, something exactly. else. Yeah. You exactly. Know? It
0: also being used for hair.
1: Yeah. because really? it, makes,
0: it makes your hair silky.
1: Wow. Well, I didn't know that. Right. So,
0: okay. so you so if you use rice water, and you actually put it in because the um, where we're from, um, Assam, mm-hmm. um, the Nepal is not so far from Assam. Mm. So the in Nepalese they actually use a lot of um, plants. They won't certain people won't use shampoo. My mum said that she, she hardly used to use shampoos, yeah. either soap or rice water mm. or or certain flowers you soak them overnight and you, and use, you use the water, the water. and yeah, yeah. it makes your hair silky. So, Stunning. so my mom yeah. said, this is what we used to use. It's yeah. only here when you started to see shampoos and all that stuff, but over there they used to use the herbs. Yeah. And you just think, and they still do. So there's a lot of things that you, that people are still using. Yeah. You know, and yeah. still...
1: But in the West we are so cut off. Yeah. And and, and not many people know the whole cycle of things. Yeah. So, with, with here, Black Horse, we try to do that. So, try to encourage people to think differently.
0: Yeah. Okay.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: How do you think with, um, with the business at the moment, where everything is like, you know, like cost of living and everything is high and everything, with a lot of brands, a lot of smaller brands are coming out, um, how do you think about at the moment? with smaller brands and yourself in the market that
1: we're in in the I think with the smaller brands are much braver okay yeah they are much more risk takers yeah they think outside the box yeah and very often i say to to, to people or friends like name uh, we're like a salmon we we, we go against the, the stream right, okay and and because we really want to change the industry yeah and because we don't have to make our shareholders richer mm-hmm. we make decisions coming from heart and the guts and and really coming from good place yeah uh, smaller brands they are more powerful in in Opening different alternative windows in people's imagination. Yeah than big brands because big brands all they want They want to sell you more right, and yeah, often yeah, yeah. And they are not interested in the relationship no, with you not, not. or they are not interested in the relationship with the nature they destroy. Yeah But smaller brands are different. It's a bit like the craft beer movement, you know more more we had different uh, production of craft beer more quality went up and up
0: yeah
1: and it's exactly like that and it's a complementary to each other very often uh, people ask me who are your competitors they are not small brands they are to me they are in, we, we need more smaller brands right. our competitors are zaras or because we want them to do things differently
0: do you think they will do you think they will do different things differently? Do you think we've come to a point where we are actually saying to them, "It's, it's time." I mean, I mean it's time. The, long time we've ago. We've been we've
1: been saying that for for a while now. Yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, I mean, we've been black like are saying, it's nearly seven years. But there is a story before that as yeah, well yeah, of for course, us. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I think we need to speak to politicians, mm-hmm. policymakers. Mm-hmm and they need to be on our side as well. Mm-hmm. So are they going to change without laws? They are not going to change. Mm-hmm. I think we need to implement more more policies mm-hmm. and the lawmakers and politicians need mm-hmm. to encourage that as well.
0: Mm-hmm. Do you think at the moment, right, um, with denim, do you think people are actually buying more denim now? or do you think the market has changed a lot, from when you first started?
1: Uh, I mean, when, we, when I got the idea of working with denim, yeah. lots of people said, what are you doing? You know, Marks & Spencer or Uniqlo selling denim for 30 pounds, 40 pounds, what are you doing? Yeah. Uh, seven years later, I think awareness is different. Yeah. people want to invest more into good good garments
0: right
1: and it's a bit like again i'm sorry i'm going to come back to yeah, yeah, the yeah, craft do. beer but you know when the first craft beer came out yeah. people tasted it yeah they understood the difference yeah. and then they went to a next pub they said oh do you have locally produced craft beer yeah and if the pub didn't have if the second customer came in us, third customer came in Yeah. they started to stock those craft beer in their pubs. Right. Now every pub you go in London, they give you tasters. Yeah. Before you never had that. No. Do you understand? That's true. So uh, the, the power of small production and, and plenty of pool around will change the awareness. Right, yeah. So okay. we need more smaller producers in our cities, right. more craft producers in our cities, on all, every level,
0: from it, carpentry, furniture
1: to, makers to, to yeah.
0: Has it been hard?
1: Absolutely yes. <laughs> Am I been... enjoying it? Absolutely yes.
0: And would you say that? Who? What would you advise to someone wanting to start a denim? brand
1: it has to come from a place where it's not about money
0: okay yeah
1: I would say don't start anything just sake of making money right, it has okay. to come from a passion it has to yeah, come from definitely. from heart and and wanting to do something different Yeah. If you find that in you, yeah. then do anything, anything, doesn't 100%. matter, it will, it will be... I think it is satisfaction. Uh, I was away for two weeks. Um, I was sailing from England to Mediterranean Sea. A friend wow. of mine, uh, he bought a sailing boat and he wanted to do it on his own. I said, I'm not letting you do that. <laughs> so we were in Atlantic Ocean wow. into Mediterranean Sea. It was, it was a long journey. And in that two weeks, um, I haven't missed my girlfriend, I haven't missed my daughters, Probably. I haven't missed anybody right. apart from my business. Okay. I really missed coming here, working here. Okay. So when you do help. something from, from your heart, from your heart yeah. Yeah. that's what I would uh, suggest or advise people if you don't feel it, don't do it. Yeah,
0: it's like what my dad used to say as well, that do something that makes you 100% happy. Yeah. Don't do anything that doesn't
1: yeah.
0: Because you've got to give 100% towards it. Yeah. So do it. I wanted to ask you, do you always wear denim? Yes. <laughs> and what is, who would you say nowadays is, do you have, um, do you look at style? Uh, icons from the past to say so-and-so's denim where was what I feel like yeah Is there anyone in the past that you would say you know I don't you don't Okay. I
1: don't unfortunately I, I was having a, a, this morning uh, talking to a friend of mine right. and I think denim is such a classic item. Yeah. As as our fathers, our grandfathers, they all have memories with denim. And we grow. I grew up with denim. Yeah. And and it's not a style item for me, but it's uh, absolute uniform. All right,
0: Okay. Okay. I understand that. Yeah. Yeah.
1: And it's it, you know when I was growing uh, in the 70s 80s the Russia was a communist regime China was a communist regime yeah. and we were as as Western capitalist societies we were saying oh look at them they don't even, they only have one uniform yeah you know why would you be attracted to that, that there is yeah. lifestyle yeah. but now coming back here we all wear that uniform now yes Denim is our uniform. uniform. Absolutely,
0: hundred percent. If it was up to me to go to an Indian wedding, I'd be wearing denim. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah I yeah. won't be allowed to. But you know, <laughs> my mother would be it's, like, it's, "Don't you it's dare!"
1: Interesting, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. So the denim is one of those items that it's it's a bit like you know when you open your cupboard in the kitchen. That's, yeah. You know, certain so sugar, salt. Yeah. You can't you can't cook without those two in your. Exactly. Denim is in our wardrobe without that yeah there is no wardrobe
0: there's no wardrobe no there isn't yeah um, on that note I would like to thank you Hans for absolutely doing this interview I am absolutely honored and totally honored to meet you as well Likewise. thank you for coming and, yes um, and you know you've made my day <laughs> you've made my month <laughs> <laughs> let's put it this way you've made my month it's been an absolute one of the best and honorable
1: interviews thank, thank, you. thank
0: you so much thank you thank you much appreciated Bye. hi everyone it's Samira from menswear by one podcast just wanted to say that was the last um, episode for this style season and i would like to say that i wanted to thank all my guests um coming on board and being the most amazing guest um on for this season style season is um it's been quite a long season it's been a quite a long um season but at the same time it's one of my favorite subjects. style as i always say style will always outlive fashion um which is true and i think every one of us have our own style individual style and uh, some of us know how to show it and some of us are still finding it, which is absolutely fine. Um, I wanted to say thank you to Nigel Cleaver, who was the first person that I did a collaboration with, and um it was um he took a chance and he said yes to the collaboration. And it it was a very interesting, exciting collaboration that I've learned so much about. View of, of the part of the history of style so once again to Nigel thank you so much for saying yes and taking the time to do the recordings of of that um, the whole collaboration of those three episodes and I'd like to thank every individual guest that has come on to my podcast on for the style season thank you so much to all my guests you've been absolutely brilliant I've learned so much from you guys. Um, I've learned a lot from you about style more now. And um, yeah, so thank you once again. And thank you to everyone for the support that you're giving me on this podcast. It means a lot. Please do subscribe to the podcast. It It does help a lot. And if you wouldn't mind leaving a review after listening, if you liked one of the episodes. So I'm hoping to come back with a new season in um, October, mid October. So hopefully this time round I'm going to be starting a few controversial subjects and a few fun ones as well at the same time in menswear. And um, at the same time, I think it's um it's been incredible um journey as I keep saying this. And I'm hoping to carry on with this journey and bring you more exciting episodes. So keep in touch. Um, I will be posting things on Instagram, on the story. So do keep in touch by DM. I'm available through DM. Um, Let me know what you think of the podcast or if you would like me to tackle certain subjects in menswear. Please do send me your um, send me requests if you like to like me to look into and so on that point um i hope you all take it easy and take care of yourselves and i will be back we will be back with the next season um and next episodes and with next guest amazing guests so on that note thank you very much and keep in touch with the menswear community um and um speak to you guys soon and looking forward to it Thank you for all your support. Without you guys, I don't think this podcast would have been anything.